please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We are looking at verses 6 through 15. If you would please follow with me as we read the Holy Word of God. Beginning in verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through the many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this text. And Father, I thank you for the testing that comes from this text. Father, the strengthening that comes from this text. And Father, the wisdom that spoke existence into being, being exalted even in the temporal realm, that we may see the hand of an awesome God working moment by moment. Father, help us. Help us to understand your plans. Help us to see the will of an awesome God and help us to be overwhelmed just being in the privilege of being a child of the Most High God. Father, I beg you now, teach us. Show us you. And may we with great expectation rejoice to your glory and praise. Amen. I shared with you, well, many times actually, But I'll take you back to verse 7, and it says, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Okay, when I think about giving, it's a heart issue. Okay, it's not about the pastor manipulating your feelings or showing you starving children uh, or, you know, terrible circumstances or things like this. It is a heart issue between you and God. Uh, We can, in a very um, simple manner, look around and say, yeah, everything I've got is God's. Um, I wonder about that. Because we we all have uh, things that we want, that we desire, that uh, probably at some point don't really have any eternal value to them, but it would make us smile. Uh, Perhaps we'd only smile for a moment. But I would still smile. Okay, it's it's sort of like uh, the new car smell. Well, now it's gone. 
And the oil changes and the tire rotations and all the other stuff start coming up. And then you do the dreadful, uh, you guys don't have muddy roads. I have muddy roads and slide off into the ditch. And now my new car smell is gone and I have a big ding on the hood. Okay, you know, it's, it's, it's just we have these things. But there are times when God deals with our hearts. And, and, and there's, there's times, I'm sure none of you are guilty of it. But there's times that I have debated with God. Explaining to him that he probably doesn't have the whole view of this. And is not really understanding the complexity of the events that are in my life. Okay. I know none of you have ever done that. And I am thankful that I have been surrounded with such great people of the faith. I, I, I am here. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. What I have learned as as a shepherd is my responsibility to share the need, every need and all the needs, ends there. Okay? Then it is as you have purposed in your hearts. That's got nothing to do with me. In verse 9, Paul uses scripture and he... uh, Quotes out of Psalm 112 and he says, He scattered abroad and he gave to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. And what you will see and what I'm going to lay out for you as we conclude generosity from God is that when you look at your giving, it will be directly proportionate to what you view righteousness as. Okay. I shared with you last week that righteousness, if you ask a hundred Christians what righteousness is, you'd probably get a hundred different answers and you may not get one right because righteousness has become this very amoebic word. It's sort of like holy. What does holy mean? Well, whatever I want it to be. Okay, you know, I have a pair of holy jeans. <laughs> Uh, because I spilled battery acid on them, <laughs> and it's uh, they, I have offered them on the altar of God's. Here, you can have these. Okay, he makes the statement there in verse nine that righteousness endures forever. And if you think about that phrasing out of Psalm one twelve, then your understanding is that not the ultimate harvest? I watch people talk about giving, and they think, well, if I give. Uh, God's just going to give me some kind of spiritual thing. I think I've already debunked that. Have I not? I mean, the context doesn't even lend itself to that. Okay. And yet, even in the context, part of what we give has this eternal endurance to it. And that endurance is righteousness. Um, I, if you wanted to call it eternal reward, sure. But if you looked at verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Well, that sounds a little on the temporal side to me. Just just a thought. And yet, there is also the eternal side of it. And I, I want to go back to the eternal side. I, I started moving into it last week. Listen. The Lord blesses a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver, okay? Because that cheerful giver who's not doing it grudgingly, nor is doing it under compulsion, 
God has a special affection for. It's the only time in Scripture you find that. It's that cheerful person. And I, I can go back over and over and over and over again and show you verses that deal with this. But I want you to think about something. A few weeks ago, I told you that this text is going to challenge your faith. Okay? And you you sort of seen it just kind of poking at you just a little bit. Okay? It's going to do more than poke you today. So you, if you want to go, you might as well go now. But it isn't because I haven't warned you. You can sit and tell me all day long, I believe in the Most High God. Okay? That's great. You trust Him? Oh, yes, preacher. I trust Him. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Hold on to both sides of your chair. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. So, with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness. Do you ever think about that? So, with the view of what? Right standing before God. Righteousness. Right standing before God. Why? Because I'm going to reap in kindness. Okay, the same kindness that the Macedonians gave to Jerusalem is the same kindness the Apostle Paul is challenging the Corinthians to give is the same kindness that I'm challenging all of you to give. Why? A view to righteousness. This is right before a holy God. Listen, a path to God's prosperity, you give because you know God will restore and he's going to pour it back overflowing. Right? Ain't that what it says? How come I didn't get a whole lot of amens out of that one? Okay, because you're like, oh, that's right, that's right, bro. <laughs> I don't want to be too vocal in case God's listening. The reason that he pours it back to you is that it gives you more to give and you can multiply your harvest, which is a harvest of righteousness, which is a harvest of right standing before a holy God. And yet in that eternal harvest, he also brings forth a temporal harvest so that we can give more. And that righteous behavior Brings on eternal reward. You can see kind of a sum of it there. In the beginning part of verse 11. Of chapter 9. 2 Corinthians. You will be enriched in everything. For all liberality. If you sow bountifully. You will be enriched in everything. All right. Enriched in everything. If you do this, if you give generously, if you give without a grudge, if you give without compulsion, you will only be enriched in everything. You believe that?
Just a question. Just a question. Because it will be flowing over all liberally, generously. For all generously, liberally, you will have and you can be generous yet again. Again, it goes back. As you purpose in your heart, all right, you give knowing that he's going to multiply it back to you, not so you can get the new car, new house, new boat, vacation, condo, airplane, whatever it is you're thinking that you're going to get. You give it because you want to give more. All right. That's amazing when you really think about it. That generosity will be multiplied, verse 10, so you can sow again. So I can give more. I give sacrificially. I give generously. Why? So that he will replenish it so I can do it again and again and again. I have watched people struggle with finances for decades. And I know why. They're not giving as purposed in their hearts. They're giving under compulsion. They're giving under grudgingly. I'm supposed to give. It's obvious I showed up this Sunday to hear this, so I better give them an extra ten bucks. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over again, and I watched those same people struggle with finances their entire lifespan. Because they say they believe. But their actions don't prove it. You know what? I, I tell people this a lot. And I, and I get into trouble on it because there's a time that I challenge people's salvation. Are you saved? Well, I go to church. <laughs> so? Okay, that's like standing in a garage and saying, I'm a car. Okay, no. That, that ain't got nothing to do with it. Well, I do this. Or I do that. And I don't do this. Okay, now this morning I was talking to the Sunday school class about cultural Christianity. Okay, it's let me put a a moral net around everything and therefore I'm a Christian. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because when you put up a moral net, guess what? You have the scissors. And I can make my net bigger. Okay, and I, you watch it. I remember a lady at one time, at, at one time I thought she was one of the most godly people I ever met on the planet Earth. Okay, this lady knew Bible verses. She's like hanging out with a concordance. I, I mean, it's just, just amazing. And, and she was always having 24-hour prayer vigils and you, you sign up for an hour and I was younger then and I always got the midnight or one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning shifts and i never did understand why me you know you're young you can pray at one o'clock in the morning well, no i can't <laughs> but anyway and and i remember one time she, she used to have these neighborhood evangelism parties and it, it, it was cool you know i'd go over i was the designated kool-aid maker 
That probably doesn't have a good ring to it, does it? But anyway, uh, but you know, I, I, that's what I, that was my gig. I could make Kool-Aid and it'd have all these people. And, uh, she, she, she was always badgering these, and I use that word correctly, badgering these kids to say the sinner's prayer. And they all say the prayer. And, and this one neighbor girl of hers, uh, had grown up and gone off to college and moved in with her boyfriend and was just having a blast. Of course, when you, uh, Get into that test driving it before you, you whatever ordeal. He, uh, they were having some problems, relationship problems. And she says, well, you know, she's saved. And I was like, well, how do I know she's saved? Well, she said that prayer. And I said, well, why is she acting like that? Well, you know, sometimes we just stumble. Well, I, I'll give you that. But there's something here that just the, the dog's not hunting. All right. And and and, they, and she got mad at me. OK. And she says, well, I can't. I, you, you can't doubt. Once you say that prayer, you can't doubt. Yeah, you can. Not only can you, you might be advised to. Right. But one of the things that I have watched, and this is that cultural Christianity, it's easy to be saved. Walk an aisle, say a prayer, you are saved. You know, you have been saved by grace through faith. What does it cost you? It costs you everything. But I thought it was grace through faith. Well, that's how you're saved. But it costs you everything. You are not your own. You have been bought and paid for with a price. All right. And doesn't mean you're not going to have conflict. And I mean yourself. You know, I remember one time I tell everybody I wake up with a demon every morning. OK, me. It's always me. Why? I am my worst enemy. Now, I know you guys don't struggle with that, but every once in a while I get under my skin. OK, and, and it's just it's just a pain. Right. But I also know that I'm not a cultural Christian. And if you don't believe me, I'll give you a list of people who would agree. <laughs> and they won't be happy about it telling you. But, but but that's the way it is. No, you take the stand. When I think about our giving. God says, I'll enrich you in everything. So that you can be liberal again. So you can be generous again. I know people right now in the body of Christ who are very, uh, how do I say this? Tight-fisted with their money. Because just look at the economy. I mean, gas prices, grocery prices, and just price prices. They're, they're, they're just crazy. All right. So, you know, I don't want to be a burden on the church because I've run out of money. And, and I watch those kind of people and I keep thinking, do you realize the blessings that you are sacrificing based on what you believe is logic? Because I got to be honest with you, if I take my logic and I put it up against God's logic, God seems illogical to me. Okay. And yet in the beginning was the 
logic and the logic was with God and the logic was God. So then I realized that my logic is flawed. He will enrich us in everything. Verse 8 of chapter 9, he says, You will have an abundance in all things. Why? So you will have more good deeds. Again, go back to righteousness. Right standing before God, doing the deeds that He preordained for you. Do you see the point? Okay, now listen, there's something that I learned years ago studying Scripture. Certain... Doctrines, okay, God is obviously concerned that we don't get it or we don't trust it. So what God does in his grace, his mercy, his compassion, he repeats it. Do you see how many times it's repeated in four verses? You know what that means? If you would use the Terry Ball vernacular on this, it would say, hey, stupid, I'm talking to you. That ain't the way God says it. That's the way I would say it. Why ain't you listening? It must be important. And it has to be if it's repeated that many times in so few verses. When God finds a generous, sacrificial, cheerful giver to meet the needs of his people. That's what they want to do. That is their passion. That is their zeal. He will make them rich in good deeds and great prosperity. He will give enough so the heart of that giver can be fulfilled in the giving of generous gifts. When he finds that heart. That's what he's calling the Corinthians to do. Corinthians were a wealthy area. They were free people. Free Greeks, they call them. But he's also calling you and I because, oh, aren't we free? If we are to be what God wants us to be, you have to purpose in your heart that I want this special love from God so I can watch the generosity of God prosper me so that I can give more. And we all say, Amen. And then you look at the one next to you and you say, You're up. <laughs> I gave last week. <laughs> my my general, he ain't poured back yet. <laughs> Let me show you some things because I was kind of astonished when I started kind of wandering around about this. If you go to Second Chronicles chapter thirty-one, chapter thirty-one, verse ten, Hazara chief priest of the house of Zadok, said to him, speaking to King David, sent the cross. See, David petitions, and I'll get into it in a minute. Chapter 29, you, you'll see that uh, in First Chronicles. David wants to build a temple for God, a house for the Lord. He wants it a place where people can come and focus on God and God alone. Okay. Now, David doesn't get to build it. 
He has blood of innocent men. Okay? So he goes before the whole assembly. And he tells them, this is not in this verse, I just want to show you something here. He goes before the whole assembly and he says, let us give of our wealth to build the house of God. Chief priest comes to David, that's what we're looking at. And he says, since the contributions began to be brought in to the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat with plenty left over for the Lord has blessed his people and this great quantity is left over. The people gave too much. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? And yet it's the same principle. Why? The nation of Israel had been through the ringer. And yet they can look back through weeks and weeks and months and months and years and decades and centuries and say, well, he was always faithful. You know what? They had a person in this room right now that can say God hasn't been faithful to you. There's not one in this room. You may say, well, what about this? No, you go look at it. And you would say he is faithful. I'm going to ask you a simple question. If you believe that, do you believe he can handle your money? That is your Faith. I watch Christians today who have more faith in money than their God. And I watch them. They'll do the theological yoga. Okay. This is God's money because it says right there. And God, I trust. Okay. And I have to be a good steward. You told me that. I have to be a good steward. And yet God says if you want to prosper, you should what? Give it away. Why? So he can show you his faithfulness and replenish it. But if you walk out of here saying, man, I felt guilty on that, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You do it ungrudgingly and you do it without compulsion. Okay? The needs were laid out. This is necessary. Listen, do you believe that if you keep giving, bringing the contribution, God will keep replenishing it? So there will be plenty left over, he said. The high priest can say, but we got plenty left over. Let me show you where this began in uh, First Chronicles. I, I, I would like to teach this whole chapter, but... Uh, I'd probably wear you out, so I'll, I'll just make it simple. This is a plea of David. It starts it out, chapter 9, then King David said to the entire assembly. You know what the entire assembly is, right? The nation of Israel. Okay, they're all gathered on the hillside there, uh, which would be the Temple Mount region of Jerusalem. My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, at the work, and the work is great. For the temple is not for man, but is for the Lord God. Now, remember, I told you that giving is an act of righteousness. Okay, so they're getting ready to build the temple and the temple is for who? God. Okay, you understand that? It's for God. It's for God. Now, it will focus the people. Don't kid yourself. It will focus the people. 
Now, with all my ability, verse 2 says, I have provided for the house of my God the gold and the things of gold and the silver and the things of silver, the bronze and the things of bronze and the iron and the things of iron, the wood and the things of wood, onyx stones, inlaid stones, stones of antimony. Yeah, you got it. You guys read it yourself. And the stones of various colors and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster and abundance. Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I've already provided for the holy temple. You know what David did? He liquidated his assets. Okay, now... You understand who that is, right? That's King David. That ain't the widow with two half pennies. Okay, he lays out there. 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir, 7,000 talents of refined silver, overlaid on the walls of the building. And he starts laying out, this is what I've put in it myself. This is my sacrifice for the house of God. This is for God. Okay. Now remember, who's he talking to? The whole group of Israel. He says, this is what I've put into it. I've given to the temple and to the building of the temple. Okay. And then the people begin giving. All of their wealth, all of their values, valuables, they give it all to God. And in nine verses, and we'll pick it up in verse 10. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all of the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, God of the Israel, our father forever and ever. Verse 11. Yours, O God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over it all. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. And you, the overall, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you, praise your glorious name. David understood it. Where did the riches of Israel come from? Do you understand that? It isn't the ingenuity and the hard-working people of Israel. It all came from God. It wasn't from man's cleverness. It was from God. David understood that. And he standing before the people and he's saying, I'm going to cash mine in. Because I believe this. And then he blesses the Lord. Drop down there to verse 16. Oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build your house in your holy name, it is from your hand and is all yours. He says, I understand that. Remember when the chief priest came to him? <laughs> we got too much. Right? So they all did it. They followed the leader. And then they followed the leader. They go, whoa, that's amazing. 
Yep. You betcha. You betcha. Now we got too much. Oh, bummer. What a drag. And yet, he took care of it. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness. Oh, wonder what that word means. You delight in uprightness. I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. That's not bad. That is not bad. Okay, drop down there. Verse 22. So they ate and drank that day before the Lord with what? Great gladness. You know what that is? If I translate it into Greek, you know what that is? Hilarious givers. Cheerful givers. They ate and drank that evening with great joy over Wow. Look what God has done for us and look while we have blessed his name. God replenished it all. Did you know that? Speaking of David, even verse 28, the end of the age, great gladness. They partied and he died at a ripe old age, full of days, riches, and honor and his Solomon, his son Solomon reigned in his place. He had given. Now I want you to think about that for a second. David gave all of his assets up. And what did God do? And you know what? I'm not positive, but if I'm really, if I kind of recall back historically, David, he was like one of them most righteous men in the East, guys, wasn't he? If you don't mind, adulterers and murderers. Okay, but he says he had a heart after God. And you know why you can say he did? He was willing to take his complete assets and say, let us build a house to God. And God had already told him, you ain't doing it. And you know what? How many in this room would say, yes, I will build something for God and I will sell everything I've got to do it. And God says, you can't do it, but I'll take your resources. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I told you today I was going to run over your faith. You can say, I want to do these things for God. And he says, I'm going to take your resources But I have this against you and you shall not be involved in it. Because, see, you have an underlying thought. Every one of us that look what I did for Jesus. And David knew he wasn't going to build the house of God. He understood that completely. And yet he gave it all up so it would be done. And God still replenished it. Have you ever thought about that? That's amazing to me. That is amazing to me. You know what? I, how many times have you heard that cliche? You can't outgive God. 
Right? But let me ask you a question. Your faith want to line up with David? And you know, he was pure as the driven snow. Right? I mean, that, that, that there guy, hey, yeah, uh-huh. Uriah didn't think so. Bathsheba probably had a few burrs against him, too. I know Absalom did. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at? That is how you give without compulsion and you give without grudge. You purpose in your heart and you just do it. Here is a need. God has a need. I read those numbers from Emmanuel's child and was like, wow, gee whiz. And we were involved in that. We were one of 279 churches. And the, re- the reports are still coming in. I'll get more. It takes about that long. You can't outgive God. I would say, yes, I agree emphatically. Then I would say this. Check your heart. Check your heart. The book of wisdom was written by a guy who built the temple. He had witnessed much of this to his, sometimes I believe his dismay. The book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of all of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Remember who wrote that? Solomon. He watched it. So when he writes it down, he's not saying, well, this would be a good idea. I wonder how many people I can torment with this one. He says, no, I've seen this. It is important. It is simple. Do you believe that? Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first of all you produce. Your first fruit. I've listened to people. I had a guy come down one time to me. He says, I need to talk to you about your, your plans on giving. I said, all right. And he said, uh, well, is that before taxes or after taxes? And you're like, really? No, it's all of it. It's all of it. He doesn't attend here no more. What can I say? We give to God and he does what? Gives it back. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22. Same author, the Proverbs of Solomon. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he adds no sorrows to it. 10.22. Got that? You believe that? Sure you do. You want to be rich? Well-to-do? Prosperous? Comfortable? Without worry? Then go after the special love of the Lord. That special affection of a cheerful giver. Get in the place of that special love by generosity. Liberality. Proverbs 28. How's come I can't find it? There it is, right after 27. Who'd have thunk it? 
Proverbs 28, verse 27. He who gives to the poor will never want. Hmm. But he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. You know what that means, right? It's the proverbial ostrich with its head in the sand. If I don't look at the poor, I'll never see the poor, and I'll not be guilty of not giving to the poor. Ah! But you'll have many curses. I find that just totally fascinating. And it is so fascinating, I had to go to the Italian prophet. Malachi. (laughs) My son's going to Italy. I thought I'd spice it up a little bit. The last book before the 400 years, the last prophet before the 400 years of silence. Okay, Malachi. In case people want to stone me for blaspheming the word of God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Now, I told you I was going to test your faith. I told you I was going to test it with a hammer. And so, uh, like they were doing during the Olympics. So, here is your warning. (laughs) Okay? Verse 10, chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And, what does he say? Test me now in this. Wow. That's pretty serious. God's saying, test me. Test me. You believe this? Now listen, nation of Israel, I I just showed you where everybody sold their 401ks to build the house of God. Okay, but I can also show you where Israel started not celebrating the Sabbath year, the seventh year. And God put them under Babylonian captivity. (laughs) Okay, you're supposed to let everything rest for a year. And if you put it away like I told you to do it, you'll have a whole year. You don't have to work. You don't have to raise a garden. You don't have to do anything. You will eat what I have provided. And Israel says, well, if I go ahead and do it on the seventh year, then I have twice as much on, say, maybe the 14th year. And God said, no, nah, that's not what I told you. And so they had already previously tested him. So now you got Malachi coming saying, you've got to stockpile this stuff to the Lord so all will eat. And he says, test me. Test me. And you know what I've learned? It will show in the way you give. We all say we believe, and we believe. he can take care of my eternal soul, but he can't take care of my bank account. Yeah, he can. I've watched him. I have watched him stretch a dollar, and I've watched him shrink a lot of dollars. And you know what's really amazing about it? He's very fast at it. And he's like, well... Well, I thought I had, well, anyway. Test him 
And there will be more abundance of work. And His righteousness will grow. The more than you need, and there will be plenty to share. Now then, I, you know, I've, I've given you the minor prophets, and, 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 and so I'm going to give you a major... 48.17 Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Okay, now let me show you something because I'm done with generosity. Look at what God has shown us in His prosperity. The Holy One of Israel, the Redeemer, the Lord, the Lord your God. These are great truths that will strengthen your faith. And Malachi says, Testing. Testing. May we each be generous. May we each know that His special love. Because we give without grudge, without compulsion. We give cheerfully. May we each rejoice in that generosity. As Paul says in Corinthians, that liberality. May we be cheerful givers. May we even be willing to test the Lord. What do you think? You believe that? See, it's easy for me to believe that right now. I have not filled out my taxes. Uh, I'm counting on the Lord's return, but I've been doing that for a number of years now for no apparent reason. Uh, so I keep sending these checks to faraway places of people who are not as generous as my Lord. He who supplies the seed to the sower, the bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. One of the most massive texts that I've ever tried to wrap my puny brain around is verse 8 God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have an abundance for every good deed let me ask you a question do you have an abundance for every good deed if you do hallelujah if you don't then I'll ask you the second part do you believe that God is able And I will challenge you with what you've seen today, whether it is the nation of Israel building the temple, whether it is King Solomon saying, you ain't going to believe what I saw. Or whether it's Malachi saying, test it. Or whether it's Isaiah saying, you know what? The Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel will show you how to profit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the resources that you give each and every one of us. May we be found faithful. May we understand that you are able 
to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what any of us could ever think or imagine. Father, may we rejoice in the privilege of being children of the Most High God. And Father, if money is our master, Father, anyone in this room, Father, may today be the day of their release, their freedom. And Father, may we each and every one look at the needs of the body of Christ globally and with joy, cheerful, step up and say whatever I can do to help. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your provisions to each and every one of us. And Father, may each of us step into that special blessing, that special love because of our cheerfulness to give. To your glory and praise. Christ's name. Amen.